Thank you. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. I, I know this is familiar to you. It's been in my heart for the last three and a half weeks. Matter of fact, interestingly, this scripture came into my heart as I I saw some news uh, reminding me of one of my least favorite times in the world. I have your attention now, huh? That is election time. I'll explain why it's my least favorite time in a minute. But as I was pondering that and thinking about that, um, the Lord kept turning this scripture in my heart. Um, He said it's probably been about a month ago. And let's just read it here. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. So we have responsibility. We have responsibility. If we are his people, if we are called by his name, our responsibility, first of all, is to humble ourselves. Our second is to pray and to seek his face. You can't do that and not turn from wicked ways. If we humble ourselves, if we pray, if we seek his face, we will turn from we isn't it now this this passage of scripture is unique to us. We quote it so often, sometimes familiarity causes us to skip over the word of God. But it's interesting that he would be speaking to his people. Yes? And to the people of God, he would be admonishing them that they need to pray. Doesn't it just seem like the people of God would already be doing that? But guess what? A few thousand years ago, they were as human as you and I. And he's merciful and gracious and long-suffering. And so he brings his word rather than his judgment. But ultimately, he'll judge us according to his word. But he brings his word and he says, if we'll, if we'll humble ourselves, if we'll pray, if we'll seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, he's realizing the people of God have given themselves to some wicked ways. But he says, if we'll do this, then he'll hear from heaven, he'll forgive sin, and I want you to notice this is why this verse came to my spirit as I was reflecting on the thoughts that came to me and the blurb that came my way regarding this time of season, elections. I will heal their land. I don't think it's a surprise to any of us that our land needs to be healed. Do you agree with that statement? If there was ever a time that we need healing in our land, it, it's now, more than ever before. And you and I, if we're not careful, we'll fall into the trap of believing the world system rather than the Word of God. I, I appreciate so very, very much. I'm so thankful for the ministry of the different ones in our absence. I, I got caught up from Brother Lewis a little bit this morning since we had some technical difficulties when he ministered last Thursday. Thank you, Brother Lewis, Brother Joey Charles, uh, Elder Flowers, and uh, Brother Joel Hart IV, Brother Ethan, the different ones that ministered these last couple weeks. I'm looking forward to the ministry of Brother Reuben tomorrow night. I know that he's been waiting on the Lord. I believe God's going to use him there in Mattawa. And lest I forget, Brother Reuben and Sister Vanessa, congratulations, 13 years of marriage. Wow. Happy anniversary to them. Marriage is a beautiful thing. It's worth the work. Amen? And so, uh, we need healing in our land. You can watch the news. You can read the news. You can scroll through the news, however you get news. 
And if we're not careful, we'll believe the voice of the world rather than the word of God. Now, we can look at our world and say, man, there's no hope. And if we start believing that, we're believing the adversary rather than the word of God. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. The word of God is true. He is not a man that he can lie, the scripture says. All right? And so he said, if we would humble ourselves, if we would seek his face and pray and seek his face, if we would turn that he would hear from heaven, forgive us, and he will hear, heal our land. I've been praying this verse for almost a month now, every day. God, you said you'd heal our land. You said you'd heal our land. And I've been calling out stuff throughout the valleys in the world as well, but I've really been zeroing in on some things in the valley. I've been dealing with different spirits of things that I know. You understand, the evil that we see in our world is a result of spiritual things. The evil we see in our world is a result of spiritual things. You understand? Violence, addictions, perversion, you fill in the blank. All these things in our world are results of spirits at work in our world. And, and this, you say, well, what does this have to do with elections? Well, I'll just tell you how it got in my spirit when the Lord took me here. If we're not careful, we'll get drawn into the world's idea that if we vote for the right person, they'll do the stuff that heals our land. I believe you should vote. I thank God for the freedom of democracy. I thank God. This is not a political message this morning. You understand? I think you need to be prayerful about who you vote for. I believe God uses men and women. He puts them in place. He sets up one, sets down another. All right? He holds the hearts of kings in his hand to turn them whithersoever he will. I believe all of that. But he alone can heal our land. And he didn't say the way that I'll heal the land is if you will get really political, get really caught up in the electoral process, really start firing all your opinions out there, get in a bunch of discussion rooms and get in some debates and start. That'll really heal the land. No, it won't. The... recipe that doesn't sound right but i guess that's what's there the recipe for the healing of our land is found right here it's found here our land needs healing i believe the word of god like brother ethan spoke thursday night i believe the word of god is true i believe he's obligated to his word i and you cannot obey his word and then him not fulfill it if we will walk in obedience to his word, he will fulfill his word. Amen? He'll do it. And so we have this responsibility. We got to pray. We are going into, we are going into starting, you get a day of grace. You can start tomorrow. How's that? Through the end of this month. So that, this is a leap year, so we got an extra day in the month. Uh, from now through the end of this month, or tomorrow through the end of this month, if you need like your last final social media fix this afternoon, I guess you have a day. Obviously, this isn't a mandate. It's going to be what you choose to participate in or not. Okay? But we're going to go into however many days that is, 24 days or so of fasting. This is an humbling of ourselves. An humbling of ourselves. An humbling of self, part of that is denying self. Does that make sense? And so, if I were to ask, how many of you would be willing over the next 24 days to fast food? Please raise your hand. All 24 days without food, 24 days straight. <laughs> We're like, whoa, hold on, that was a setup. Now, I'm not asking you to do that. If the Lord asks you to, that's one thing, but I'm not asking you to do that. You say, I don't know, that might be, that may be pretty difficult. But what we're asking is, over the next 24 days, 
an humbling of ourselves by fasting. And by fasting, I don't mean a diet. I mean a complete fast, cut off completely. All who will. All social media. All non-vital internet usage. By non-vital, I mean, I realize you have to use some for work. You have to have email for work. You got to communicate. But I, I go down the list. I'll miss some, but you get the idea. When I uh, Eliminate. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Snapchat. I don't know all of them. Right? Pinterest. I'm sorry, ladies are hoping I missed that one, I guess. Okay. I think that's of the devil. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, that was probably me, not the Lord. But please stay with me. Stay with me. What are we doing? We're seeking to humble ourselves. Deny all these things that would feed us. How is it that the people of God, by the time we get to this point in the scripture, how is it that the people of God had come into wicked things? How did they have wicked ways? God had brought them out of bondage in Egypt. God had taken them through the Red Sea and destroyed the children of Egypt. God had taken them and fed them water out of a, gave them water out of a rock that followed them, which we know the scripture tells us that rock was Christ. And he led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He caused manna to fall. He caused quail to fall he he sustained them through the desert for 40 years how is it that this people so kept by God so blessed by God so led by God could find themselves in wicked ways you would think, and I would think, that it wouldn't have been possible. You would think their life would have been wholly given to this Lord God, Jehovah Yahweh, that we sang about in His covenant. He didn't break His covenant. But they did. But still, we see the mercy of God, the long-suffering of God, and the appealing of God. How is it? He told them, I'm going to take you into a land that I have prepared for you. And he told him, you can see it, it's, it comes up four or five times at least along the way. If you read through these Old Testament scriptures and the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, you read that and you see again and again, I'm going to take you in the land. And here's what's going to, going to be there. There's going to be Hivites and there's, or Hittites and there's going to be Jebusites and there's going to be Canaanites. And he names these different groups that are going to be. And he said, hey, the reason they're there isn't because they're going to hurt you. I'm going to give you victory over him. He told them that almost at the very beginning when he said, I'm going to take you there. He said, the reason they're there is if I just remove them completely, you'll get there and the land will be overrun with beasts and the land will be all grown up. So what's happening is I'm leaving the heathen there right now. They're taking care of what I'm going to give you. Read it. I'm paraphrasing. I'm saving you listening to me read about 30 different scriptures this morning. But he said, I'm just, I'm just leaving them there till you get there. That's yours. I promised it to you. It belongs to you. I've just got them there. They're tilling the ground and they're planting vineyards. They're building houses. You're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going to eat a vineyard you didn't plant. They're just preserving the land till you get there. And what happened? They got there and they were afraid of them. They did not hold to the word of God. They believed that the heathen in the land was greater than they were. Can I just tell you something? Greater is he that is in me. If you're filled with the spirit of God, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm not scared of or concerned by the gods of this world that are working our valleys. I have concerns for the condition of people. But greater is he that is in us. And I believe the word of God. If we'll humble ourselves and we'll pray, we'll seek his face. He'll forgive us our sins if we'll turn from our wicked ways. And he'll heal our land. How can I be so sure? Because his word cannot lie. His word cannot lie. And so, go to the book of Acts. 
chapter 2. I know you know this, and you're going, what in the world does this have to do with anything? Just stay with me just a minute. Acts chapter 2. Let's just go to verse 36. Familiar to almost everyone in the room. Acts 2 and 36. Peter is speaking to those on the day of Pentecost who have witnessed people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They heard them speaking in other tongues. They said, what in the world does this mean? They thought they were drunk. And he said, these men aren't drunk as you suppose. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Saying, in the last days I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And so he gets through all of that and he says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus that you crucified. He is both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? It's a good question. And Peter said to them, he said to them what Jesus told them they should preach in Luke 24. Peter simply preaching right here what Jesus said they should preach in Luke 24, verses 44 through 48. Peter said, you need to repent. That sounds like turn from your wicked ways. You need to repent. And then you need to be baptized. Just some of you. Oh, thank you. You need to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Peter wasn't creating his own doctrine. He wasn't creating his own plan of salvation. Peter was declaring what Jesus told him to teach. He said, you preach repentance and remission of sins in my name and you start doing it at Jerusalem. That's exactly what Peter's doing. He's preaching repentance and remission of sin in the name of Jesus Christ at Jerusalem. So he said, you got to repent. You got to turn from your You got to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. We are buried with him in baptism. Okay? So, and if you do this, if you repent, you turn from your wicked ways, if you're buried in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins through the waters of baptism, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Aren't you thankful for that truth? Now watch. This promise, the promise of the Holy Ghost, the promise of the Father is what it called in Luke 24. The promises to you, to your children, and I'm so thankful for that. Not only is it to your children, it's to all that are afar off. If you read that, that's generations past. So people that say, well, the Holy Ghost was only for those in the book of Acts. Sorry, I can't believe that. I've lived too long, received too much to know. It's for us today. It's to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, we stop right there lots of time, but I want you to, this is the verse I want us to keep right there. This is, I wanted you to see context. That's why we read those other verses. And with many other what? Okay, so what that means is Peter kept preaching for a while. Don't let that get you nervous. I know we got another service at 1115. But that means Peter kept preaching for a while, and Luke just couldn't keep up and write it all down. But Luke wanted us to get the picture of what Peter used many other words to teach. Yes? With, not with just a few more words. With many other words. Peter testified and he exhorted. And what was he saying with all those many other words? He was saying, hey, save yourself from this untoward generation. You got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. You need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you repent and you're baptized in his name, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But I need to take some time. I need to use a lot of other words to make sure you get the point. He wasn't just filling the air. I believe the same anointing that we read in the first 38 verses is still there. And those many other words, he's testifying. He's exhorting. He's saying, Brother Zario, save yourself from this generation. Brother Nate, save yourself from this generation. Brother Juan, save yourself from this 
this generation. He was appealing and reaching to the Jerusalem people in this hour that were present. And he was saying, hey, you have a responsibility now that you've been buried. You have a responsibility now that you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. you got to save yourself from what? From this untoward generation. That word untoward means crooked and perverse. He used many other words, Brother Martin, to say, hey, you got to save yourself from this crooked and perverse generation. I have a question for you. If the utterance of the Spirit of God through Peter's life on the day of Pentecost called that generation that lived in that time crooked and perverse, what would the Spirit of God call this generation that you and I live in right now? Would you pray with me before we go any further? Well, I'm not just trying to make noise this morning. We need to hear the word of the Lord. Uh, Jesus, open our eyes and our understanding. We live in an untoward generation. It is a crooked generation. It is perverse generation. It is a generation that is like Noah's day. Their thoughts are evil continually. They give themselves to these things. But Peter is preaching to people who have just been filled with the Holy Ghost. And he didn't take a lot of words to tell them what was happening. We read those 30, not even 30-something verses, really, because the first few verses are telling us what happened. And then there's about 20 verses in there where he's telling them what's going on. But many other words, he's admonishing, testifying, exhorting, save yourself, save yourself. From what? From this generation, this crooked, perverse generation, you got to save yours. Was the Spirit of the Lord concerned that the church could get caught up in a crooked and perverse generation? Was the Spirit of the Lord concerned that people could be filled with the Holy Ghost and still yet, somehow, somehow, filled with the Spirit? We could be caught up in a crooked and perverse generation. The children of Israel who had been delivered from bondage and brought out and watched Egypt destroyed, the Spirit of the Lord appealed to them and said, humble yourselves and pray and turn from your wicked ways. How could the children of God get caught up in wicked ways? How could spirit-filled believers be caught up in an untoward generation? It is the cry of the Lord to the people of God that He desires to save and use. And He says, save yourself. I can save you by filling you with the Spirit. I can save you by washing you with the blood. But there's something you have to do that's going to affect your salvation only you can save yourself from this generation not in your own abilities but by the indwelling of the spirit directing your life what is this fast over these next three weeks I'm telling you we've got to humble ourselves We've got a purpose. I got to say, how is it that a crooked and perverse generation gets into a spirit filled church and body of Christ? I'll tell you how. The Apostle John said it this way. 
he was writing to the church. But it was something that seems to come up again and again. He said to them, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I'll tell you what happens. The church begins to love the world. How? I would dare say, I would dare say, there are more people in this room that could tell me and give me more information, and I don't want it, who could share and tell me and give me more information on Taylor Swift than you could on Zerubbabel. Why? We've gotten entangled in a untoward generation. How is it? Because somewhere we just begin opening the door to the things of this world. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little here, a little there, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy want come. The scripture says. How, is, how did it get in? I'll tell you how. First, Facebook was just my closest friends. First, Instagram was just my friends and family. But then I began following influencers. Oh, not spiritual influences, maybe. I began following worldly influences. I began following celebrities to see what they're saying. I began following sports stars to see what they're doing. I began following things of this world. You say, are you telling me that these... Look, if you're getting caught up on give me the rules, you're missing the whole point. What happens is we open a door beginning to go, you know, and what happens is I begin and I get caught up in this untoward generation. And then it's a... Netflix subscription and my time is going there and I'm opening the door of my eyes and my ears and my spirit and I'm entertaining things I would never entertain. I despise murder, but I'll watch it and be entertained by it. I despise homosexuality, but I'll watch relationships that aren't real because it's Hollywood and I'll be entertained by that which is wrong. I'll give room and place to those things that I know are sin. And I say I'm not involving myself in them, but I'm letting them entertain me can we be so blind that we believe I could be entertained by that which I disagree with and it not affect my soul save yourself from this untoward generation it is the cry of God not in judgment but in compassion saying I have plans for you I want to use you I put my name on you I've called you to myself I did not purchase you to leave you in the midst of an untoward generation I buried you and washed you in my blood I purchased you with a price because I have a plan for your life and it's not so you can be a part of the world it's so that you can be used to bring salvation to the world save yourself from this crooked and perverse generation I told brother Joey Charles a few months ago he's got two precious young boys thank God for our kids I mean every word I said when I spoke to them before they left there's a whole lot more I'd like to have said I believe in your kids I pray for your kids I shouldn't pray for your kids more than you do but I pray for your kids 
I told Brother Joey Charles a few months ago, probably last year, somewhere along the way. I was thinking about Jonah and Josiah. I know they've got Judah and Lily. I wasn't dismissing them, but I told Brother Joey, I said, Brother Joey, can I tell you something as a father that I regret that maybe would help you? Since you've got two boys and I have two boys. You got three, he's got three, but I, I said, I, I don't think sports are wrong. I know some people are like, man, all sports are wrong. You should, we can argue that a different time. I said, but I let it have too much place in my life with my boys. And if I could do something different, I'd do that different. That's not the only thing, but that's one thing. Why? Because first, it's the entertainment of a game. Then it's the following of celebrity. Then it's the distraction of what game's going on on a Sunday after church or, heaven forbid, even during church. And then it's the like, man, I, I would follow the will of the Lord, but man, I, oh, I'm torn between this on Monday night or that on Monday night and the pool of, oh, I, I'm, I'm sure nobody in this room deals with sports that way where you have any pool that you, you have some allegiance that you're like, yeah, you know. I'd be in two services. I'm not trying to tell you to do that. Usually, I, I feel like I really want to be in that second service, but the Lord's not even going to talk to me about the second service because I know there's a game this afternoon, and if I'm in the second service, I'll miss that game. And so, is that too real? I'm talking. Hear me. I'm not trying to single out something. I'm, I'm talking to us about how this world and this untoward generation finds its way in. And we begin to be caught up in the things of this world. This is what the writer of Hebrews was talking about when he said, Lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset you. It besets you. It, the weight may not may not cause you to be lost, but it besets you. It gets you off the course that God would intend for your life. It takes you from the path that He would use you in great measure, but you're beset by weights. And so when He would try to pull you into His will and His work, the time isn't convenient because you're beset by weights. And so the writer of Hebrews said, Hey, lay it all aside. Lay it all aside. Lay it all aside so that nothing would beset you from the race we are the body of Christ It's something that continues to battle in the church. Paul said, what fellowship hath light with darkness or conquered with Belial? He went on to say, what even fellowship does the body of Christ have with a harlot? That's how he described it. He said, again, all this was written to the church. He said, come out from among them and be ye separate. This wasn't Paul's voice. He was the writer, but he was wanted to be clear who was talking. He said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you. Little by little. Little by little. Little by little. Little by little. And we give room to these things. Turning from wicked ways is repentance. It's having the Lord. What is the Lord doing today, I believe? I believe He's 
trying to bring us to a place of repentance. What is repentance? Most of you know this because I've said it a thousand times. Repentance is a change of one's thinking. The true sense of the word in the Bible, repentance, metanoia, is a change of one's thinking. So the Lord at times has to arrest our attention or provoke us so that we see what we did not see before. And we go, man, my thinking about that wasn't what it should have been. I, we ask the question the wrong way. We say, well, what's so wrong with that? That's not the question to ask. The question to ask is, does this please him? Does this serve his purpose? Is this his will for my time today? That's the question to ask. We want to make it right, wrong, so that we're not asking the question about what pleases him. See, if it's right, wrong, it's rules, I'm a Pharisee. But if it's what pleases him, it's not Pharisaical. It's relationship. It's relationship. I want to walk in right relationship with him. I want to please him. I want my life to bring him glory. I want my life to exalt him. I want my life to manifest him. Hear me. I don't want to be like Jesus. Have your attention now. I don't want to be like Jesus. I've tried. I can't. I want to die so that he lives. He knows how to be who he is. And the longer I hold on to this untoward generation, it's a refusal to die to who I am so he can be who he is through me and through you. Talk to him right now. We're not done, but talk to him. Come on, talk to him. Please talk to the Lord. Come on, you're not called to be a Pharisee. You're called to be a son. You're not called to be a Pharisee. You're called to be a son. Why is it that we're drawn to the things of this world? The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Why? Because I'm, the world is self-centered. The world is self-centered. Okay. The scripture declares it to us. It said in the last days perilous times would come. It makes it clear what that's going to look like. It said men would be lovers of of themselves yes said men would be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God notice he didn't say they would be lovers of pleasure and not love God he said they would be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God what is he saying there are people who love God. That's not the question. They love God, but what's happened is, and I fear it's crept in the church, they love God, but they love pleasing self more than they love God. And the writer said, those are perilous times. 
when you and I are so consumed with pleasing self that I love that pleasure more. This, this is why I'm not patting myself on the back. Don't misunderstand me. I, I thank God for the ocean and the sunshine and the whales and the beaches and this tan's not fake. It's real. I was in the sun and I thank God for those four and a half days. I appreciate that time away, but I could only endure so much. I think it's needful. God gives us a time and a place to rest. I need that time with my wife. Thank you for allowing it. But I, I just, I, 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 was, I was grieved. My wife has to travel with me. Pray for her. I want to enjoy our time away. I can't just go somewhere. And just enjoy and see the world around me. I was overcome. On every hand, men with men, women with women. Reflecting on the stories my dad told me who had lived in Puerto Vallarta for many years where we were. He told the story of how years ago, wealthy or affluent American men who were homosexual came to Puerto Vallarta. And because of their money, they would befriend young boys and would buy them things and treat them well and then unfortunately would take advantage of them. And it began to feed this cycle that has now grown. And you go through places in Puerto Vallarta and it's rampant. I don't know, maybe you can just ignore sin. I can't. I was grieved by it. I was grieved by it. I wasn't looking in condemnation. I was praying. I would see. I begin. I pray that the conviction of God would move upon hearts I would pray that the word of God would somehow be quickened to lives you see if we're not careful we'll become blind to those things because what happens is maybe we're not fully vested but we've become part or participant with an untoward generation. It is the love of God. It is the compassion of God that is reaching to us today. He said, if my people are called by my name would humble themselves and seek my pray and seek my face and turn 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 from their wicked ways I will hear from heaven forgive their sins and I'll heal their land hear the word of the Lord I don't just want him to forgive my sins, Sister Julie. I want him to heal my land. I want him to heal Madawa. I want him to heal Yakima and Sila and Union Gap, Moxie and White Swan and Natchez and Gleed. I want him to heal. And how can I ask him to heal the areas where I participate? And so the mercies of God is reaching to his people just as he did thousands of years ago, just as he did hundreds of years ago on the day of Pentecost. And he's saying, save yourself. I want to be God through you. I want to manifest my life through you. I want to reveal myself to the world through you. But for me to do that, I can't risk you being tainted by this world. 
And so to fully function as the body of Christ, I and you must die so he can live. The body of Christ doesn't have two heads. It only has one head. He's the head. And if I choose to make all the decisions and do what I choose, then he's not the head. I am. Some of us are trying to be a part of a body with two heads. That's not natural. That's a monster. That's not something he's created. It doesn't work. It's confusion. And so I have to die and let him be the head. And when he's the head and I'm the body, he manifests himself to the world. That will heal our land. Would you stand with me today? The rest of this month is a beckoning call of God. A response to the beckoning call of God. If we'll make the journey that he's asking us to make. I'm certain he will heal our land. He will manifest himself in ways we never thought possible. But it starts here. Is it any wonder the writer declared that judgment when it does begin? It's not beginning in the world. The scripture is clear that when judgment begins, judgment will begin at the house of the Lord. Why? Because we know. Because we have relationship. I'm asking us. I'm asking us. In this week ahead. In this next week. Could we seek the face of God individually? First, first individually, okay? First individually. Second, for our family. Thirdly, for our cities. And then see where the Lord would lead us from there. But let's, let's start there. And it may take a little while. I, I think... It'd probably take the longest to deal with the individual. God, let the light of your word shine on every corner of my heart. Where I have gotten entangled with this untoward generation. Search out my motive. I'm cutting off all those voices. Hence the request for a social media, internet. If you have subscriptions, all that stuff, a fast from those things for the rest of this month. And then at the end of this month, you decide what the Lord would have you to do and what he'd have you return back to and how or not. Okay? An humbling of ourselves. We have to start there. We can't just jump ahead. We have to start with the humbling of ourselves. But we have his word. He'll heal our land. He'll heal our families. He'll heal our homes. He'll heal our marriages. He'll heal our children. Come on, he'll heal. He'll begin to heal in the workplace. He began to heal in the classroom. He'll begin to heal things broken through the years. He'll begin to heal. How do I know this? His word promises it. Come on, would you talk to him? I'll open this altar to you if you'd like to find a place and begin to seek the face of God. It will only be the beginning of what this week will hold for us. But the Lord is taking us somewhere. Why? Because he desires to use us like we have never been used before. But we can't circumvent the word we can't circumvent his pattern and his plan. And so there's got to be a turning from an untoward generation. There's got to be some decisions made. There's got to be some choices made individually between me and the Lord, between you and the Lord. Then there's got to be some decisions made for my house. It's what Joshua was doing. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
He was making some decisions about some things. Come on, I'm certain the Lord's response will be swift. I'm certain the Lord's response. He's going to lead us in this. He's going to lead us in this. He's going to lead us in this as we allow him to do so, as we pray with honesty before the Lord. Say, God, let the light of your word and spirit shine into every part of my heart. Shine into every part of my heart. I want you to examine me in the love of God by the word of God because I want to be used of you in greater measure. I take your word to heart. I take your word to heart. Show me how to save myself from this untoward generation. Show me my responsibility, God. And by your grace, I'll walk in it. I can't do it in my own ability, God. I need the work of your spirit and word to enable me. I need the spirit of grace to enable me to do what I cannot do myself, Lord. Help me, I pray. Lead us as a people, God. Lead us, I pray. We cry out to you, Father. We begin the journey afresh this morning of humbling ourselves before you, the living God. We humble ourselves because we believe your word and know it to be true. We come to you, the living God. You who has called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We consecrate ourselves. We commit ourselves. Father, we're not begging you. We're humbling ourselves before you. We acknowledge the work of the blood. We acknowledge the work of the cross. And we humble ourselves at the foot of the cross today. Receiving of your love. Receiving of your blood. Receiving of the examining of our hearts by the word and the spirit of God. Ah, holy God. Desiring to draw near to you as you draw near to us. You said if we draw near, you would draw near. So we come to you. We come to you. Ah, in the name of Jesus. Come on, let him speak to your heart today. Let him speak to your heart. He'll quicken things to your mind. He's been doing it throughout the service. He'll quicken things to your heart in your place of prayer. Things that you should be engaged in and things you should no longer be engaged in. Come on, let the Spirit of the Lord speak to your life and purpose. God, I'll obey. As you show me, I'll participate because I love you and I want to please you. I want to be used by you. I'm laying my life on the altar. I want to die so you live. I want to know true life. I want you to live.